Welcome to this episode of Kendall County Connections podcast. I'm your host, Aubrey Walker. I work with the San Antonio Council on Alcohol and Drug Awareness, or CICADA. I'm the coalition coordinator for Kendall County. The purpose of this podcast is to educate, promote awareness of resources for Kendall County, and to connect people. I have lived in Kendall County most of my life, and I have a passion for this county. I hope you find this podcast helpful, and thank you for listening. Hello, everybody. Um, So today we are going to be talking with Carla Salmon. She's the Director of Outreach and Training with Mercy Gate Ministries. Thank you for being um, on the show today, Carla. Um, How are you doing today? Doing well, Aubrey. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Yes, I'm I'm very excited about this one. Um, So let's just jump right into the questions. what has been your most enjoyable job so far? How old were you? And if it is your current position, you do not have to tell me your age. <laughs> oh, awesome. It is my current position, actually. <laughs> and I have been here for some years now. Um, mm-hmm. I've actually been with Mercy Gate since its inception. Um, so back in 2018, uh, Mercy Gate was formed actually through basically through my healing journey. Um, Some ladies that came to walk alongside me in my healing journey, um, they decided to put their focus towards helping other women just like me. And now I work alongside them doing that very same thing. So um, this has definitely been the most purposeful and enjoyable job um, that I've ever had. That's awesome. That's so great to hear. Um, so for our listeners, as we go on with this interview, this, um, I, this, I'm so excited about this, uh, this interview because the organization, um, is just amazing. I've, uh, seen, you know, presentations that they've hosted and the, the topic of trafficking is so not what, and Carla and I, we, we, we've talked about this before. It's not what you think it is. There's so much more to it. Um, so I, I'm very excited to have this um, episode on the podcast. All right. So what is your role in Kindle County and what are you passionate about right now? Um, my role actually in Kindle County um, is evolving a little bit here recently. Um, I do a lot of outreach um, and training. Um, Obviously, that's my job title. Um, But Kendall County uh, is right next door to Kerr County, which is where I'm at um, and where our ministry is based out of. But our services actually encompass the Kendall County area. So um, we have women that have actually come from that area to come into our residential and our non-residential programs. Um, And then more recently, we have been uh, given a grant by the governor's office and by the Texas Bar Foundation to create and implement a program for court training and um, specialized court program for victim defendants. So a victim of human trafficking, but also a defendant in their own criminal cases. So um, that's really kind of my role in Kendall County. Um, Mm -hmm. We have expanded some outreach efforts uh, towards that area. We also have a lot of partnerships with other organizations in Kendall County. Awesome. And so why, I mean, you kind of touched on this a little bit already, but why are you passionate about this? I personally am passionate about this because I 
I'm a survivor of human trafficking. Um, I was trafficked as a child and I was sexually exploited as an adult. Um, my, I've walked through the whole process of prosecution of my abusers, um, resulting in a 30 year prison sentence. I have uh, been through my own criminal cases uh, myself, uh, you know, I have my own criminal records. So uh, for me, I'm passionate about this new program for the courtroom stuff because uh, I've walked, I've walked in those shoes. <laughs> I know all the gaps of services for those areas. Mm -hmm. I know all of the things that I wish would have been available to me. Resources, I wish I would have had. Support that I wish I would have had right. uh, walking through my own healing journey. So um, I'm passionate about it because, I mean, it just, God put it on my heart to yes. stop for the one. And even if all of my efforts help only one person, that's enough for me. Absolutely. Praise God. That's amazing. Uh, that you guys have this new program and honestly who better to help fill these gaps than somebody who's been there and is like hey that's a gap you know that's a gap that's something that you know yeah. we need help with and so that's just amazing it gives me chills to know that you know and, and I mean this has been a, a long time coming because this organization I mean it's not an you know I mean 2018 is really not that long ago but I mean if you think about it for that many years you guys have been working towards something like this. And, and I can only imagine in the next four years, you know, where you guys are going to be at as an organization as well. So definitely wow. we're about to open our newly remodeled home also, which is going to allow us to triple our capacity. So oh for gosh. our residential program. So um, we have a new home opening up next at the, I think at the end of next month. So the end of January, 2023, Mm -hmm. um, we plan to open the doors to what we are calling the Haven. I love that. I love that name. So you spoke about it a little bit, but when did you get involved in this and why is it important for the community? So I was actually recovered from my adult trafficking experience in 2016. Mm -hmm. um, I actually went through this period of not really being able to do anything uh, whenever I came home. So I actually went through uh, about an eight month period of hiding in my house due mm -hmm. to the effects of trauma that I had endured during that experience. But um, there was a relationship that was built through um, me not wanting to leave the house uh, with Chase Venter, which is one of the co-founders of Mercy Gate Ministries. And um, that was that was really, you know, whenever I started getting involved, um, she walked alongside me um, basically as an advocate. I don't think she really had that title or anything, but <laughs> right. what we call those ladies now, you know, or those yeah. people now. Um, but I was I was involved from the very beginning um, from from just from all of it. I was asked to share my testimony for the very first time at Shriner University in 2018. And I, I guess that would be that would be where it all really started. Um, and since then, I have done so much work in this field. Um, I don't just work for Mercy Gate Ministries. I work for the Department of Homeland Security's Blue Campaign. I'm a subject matter expert for them. Um, I have a council position at um, the governor's office with the Human Trafficking Survivor Leader Council. And I also work with um, the National Center of Missing and Exploited <laughs> Children. So I, I, I really have dove headfirst into <laughs> the high trafficking space 
and created really a, a, a space for myself that I just fit in with perfectly. Um, and I mean, I'm passionate about it. It's purposeful. There's, and there's reward in it because you're seeing other victims uh, being set free and stepping into a survivor space, um, not being called a victim anymore, but living out their life is what God intended. Yes. Oh, that's amazing. So switching gears a little bit, um, because I have to ask about COVID, because <laughs> especially <'cause, laughs> you know, starting, you know, starting the organization in 2018, and then all of a sudden, boom, here's COVID in 2020. Um, but how has COVID impacted your work? And this can be either po- either positive or negative or both, whichever. I'll be honest, I don't think COVID really impacted us okay. too much. That's good. Um, we opened Magdalene House, so our first residential home we opened in January of 2020. We took in our first two residents, and then the, the, the whole country shut down. Yeah. <laughs> so it was actually really cool because we got to spend a lot of days just mm-hmm. with these girls. I mean, we, yeah. you know, everything was shut down. You really couldn't go anywhere and do anything. So we spent a lot of our days with the first two girls we had in our home, mm-hmm. uh, just really, really getting to know them, spending time with them, Aww. finding fun things to do in the house. Um, you know, it, it really didn't stop a lot of um, things because once people started converting to Zoom meetings and all right. of this, it actually gave me a more of an opportunity to share with a lot more people because um, it was virtual. So I didn't have to travel. I didn't have to you know, worry about who's watching my kids and things like this in order to be in person at certain events. I was actually able to, during COVID, do uh, trainings and presentations for people internationally. So like international airports and things. I got to do trainings in uh, Jamaica and, you know, but it was all virtual. So I really wish I could have been there. So that's probably the downside for me. (laughs) I would have rather been at Tobago and all of this in person, the Caribbean, and done uh, presentations in person with those guys. But, you know, it's really cool to see how um, people evolve, you know, how how we adapt. And and I was still able to adapt and make things still happen during COVID. Um, Our outreach efforts never stopped our, um, we took people in during COVID. Um, we, you know, obviously we had to change and make sure everybody's tested and, you know, the mask wearing and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, which was an inconvenience, but you know, it was, it was protecting everyone, you know, and trying to keep everyone safe and healthy. So, um, it did impact us in a, in a sense, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't all bad. Um, you know, cause like I said, we got to spend some really intensive time with our first two, uh, participants in the program and it, it's just been, um, it's been different, but we've done it. So, <laughs> yeah, that's so special that, you know, you open, open the house and then all of a sudden, you know, it's like, okay, here's your two, here's two people. And then, all right, we're going to shut down the entire world, you know? <laughs> um, so I do have a question. Um, when it comes to, um, I knew I should have written it down. I knew I should have written it down. Okay, it'll come. It'll come back to me. I'll I'll remember. Um, all right. Uh, so thinking about all resources and event uh, and events and things like that, what is something that we're missing in the community? 
Mm. Well, if it was previous to uh, last month, I would have said um, awareness events for the community for mm -hmm. internet safety, human trafficking, things like mm -hmm. this. But um, last month, you guys, um, the Kendall County Sheriff's Office actually yes. hosted um, a community awareness event regarding human trafficking. Um, I would love to see more of that kind of stuff happen, but not just for the community. I would love to see something happen specifically for the children in the community. Um, I know that NICMIC, so National Center of Missing and Exploited Children, they have um, approved presentations that people like myself that are community education partners can actually take into schools and do as a pr presentation for the entire student body. And the presentations are actually already approved um, by the school boards and things. So it's not something that has to go through and do have all of this vetting and um, you know approval and stuff. It's mainly the counselor and um, the superintendent of the schools approving that uh, person to come and do the presentation and picking a time for that to happen. Um, that is something I would love to see in the community because I think prevention is a big key part of fighting this yeah. battle. Um, you know, I growing up as a kid was being trafficked, picked up from school by people um, that I had no business being with, but mm -hmm. I never knew anything because I did not have um, positive role models in my life as a kid. And so the only way that I would have even known that that was not mm -hmm. something that would have, that should be happening uh, the only place I would have even known that is learning it at school. Uh, sure. Having someone, a teacher or someone tell me those things and explain it to me uh, in a way and in a level that I would understand. So to me, that I'm super passionate about that. That's exactly why I partnered with NICMIC so that I could go into the schools and actually give their approved presentations for children to know the things to look for when someone is trying to recruit you online or trying to groom you online um, all of these things, you know, mm -hmm. if, if someone, I didn't have phones, obviously back whenever I was being trafficked as a child, but it was beepers and things like that. But the grooming techniques have evolved since I was there. So a lot of it is done online. So I think if, if a child has a phone, I think that they should be taking some kind of internet safety course, you know, of, of how to protect themselves online, what to share, what not to share, things like that. Because, you know, there's so much out there. Um, and what's even more disturbing is that at any given time, there could be more than 50,000 predators online actively wow. seeking out children. So, you know, knowing these, these kind of statistics and knowing these facts about things, especially about like kids with phones specifically, um, that's something that I would love to see um, in, in all communities, not just Kendall County. Yeah, I think, you know, at growing up, um, I, you know, I had Facebook was a big thing for a while. And uh, I mean, I still have a Facebook, right? Um, but I think it's this uh, older generation. I think the kids nowadays, they're like, Facebook, no. Um, but, you know, yeah. I think about like, you know, one of the biggest things that like, whenever I got a Facebook, one of my, my mom would tell me, you know, don't add somebody you don't know. It, and it's so simple, something just like that. It's like, if you've never met the person in life, in real life, don't add them, you know, so things so simple. And I know that, that the presentation that, you know, you would be doing for the schools, 
it, there's so much more that, you know, but I just, me personally, outside looking in, that's something so simple that, you know, I mean, there's, you know, obviously still other ways, you know, but something so simple as just not adding people, not following people, not letting people follow you if you don't know them, that's you right. know? And so that's, it's just, it's amazing how something so simple as just educating kids on, you know, just what to look for and, and to know that this is not okay. You know, the way this person is treating you or talking to you. Yeah, so, definitely um, agree. I remembered my question from earlier. Awesome. And I wrote it down because I knew I'd forget it again. <laughs> so when, when you were talking about, you know, the COVID, COVID and having people come in, did you see an uptick in, in people coming in to um, get some help from trafficking or was it about the same? What do you, what would you say? I think a lot of it actually increased. Um, you know, there was an increase in, in people reaching out. And I think a lot of that had to do with being isolated at home, um, you know, or, or being isolated wherever you're at. Um, and, you know, especially with kids, um, kids that are normally quote unquote abused in some formal way at home, uh, they all of a sudden had no escape. Uh, I was being abused at home and my escape was school. Uh, that was the place that I could, uh, that I knew I would be fed and nobody would hurt me. Right. So that was my escape. So I, I mean, I said prayers daily for children, um, because of that, you know, being, being at home, you're not being sent to school. So, you know, um, things just increase, uh, whenever you know that there's not that outsider looking in. Uh, or outsider, you know, having their two eyes on that child um, on, a, on a daily basis or at least consistent basis. Um, so that did increase, in my opinion, uh, especially from the ones that were reaching out to us during that time. Um, I don't know if that was because we were just starting out and getting, you know, uh, our the word out there of what our mm -hmm. program was and what we were able to offer uh, women in that, that have experienced that. But we did see it see an increase um, in, in abuse, not just with women, with, with, with children as well. So what is your favorite part of working in Kendall County? I just really like, I, I mean, I guess I would speak for not just Kendall County, but Kerr County as well, because um, I do work mainly in Kerr County, but the community, um, our community is just amazing. They're so involved with things that are going on in the community. Yeah. And a lot of people in our community are so willing and able to support and help organizations like us. And that has been um, an eye opener. It has <laughs> been empowering for me as a survivor, because I, I don't just look at those that come alongside us to support us in this work as um you know, supporting the work it's, itself, but in a, in a sense, I look at it as they're supporting me. They're supporting me as a survivor, and they're giving us that trust and faith that it's going to help other survivors like myself. So just seeing how uh, law enforcement supports us, 
seeing how the other service providers partner with us and support us, lean on us for information. And it goes both ways. We call other people, our other partners all the time. And we're like, hey, we need help. You know, just knowing that that door is open both ways, you know, that that it swings both ways. That has been um, really special for me. And, and like I said, law enforcement specifically for me, because mm-hmm. I've been in trouble before. <laughs> I one running from the police okay and now I'm calling them saying hey I need your help hey I have this and they're calling me saying hey Carla we need your help (laughs) to see how that has come full circle Mm -hmm. is just it it blows my mind every single day um some of my best friends right now are law enforcement (laughs) Uh, I work with them all the time and it's just it's really amazing to see that, you know, one that they support and, and, and trust us, you know, but that they support and trust me, that is healing in itself for my own personal journey. So I think that is definitely it is it's the community, it's the partnership, it's the support that we get. All right. So last question, um, how can somebody connect with you, um, that is listening to the podcast? There are many different ways you can connect with me personally. Um, I would definitely encourage anyone to go to mercygateministries.com. There are links on there uh, to contact me personally or anybody that is on our team if you have specific questions. Um, And then if you were more on the lines of connecting with me personally on a different level for Um, inviting me to speak or share or any of those things. Um, I also have a website. It's www.carlasolomon.com. There's a link on there that you can actually reach out to me. It gets sent straight to my email. And um, yeah. Awesome. Well, I will. um, That's um, everything for today. And I will go ahead and put that information in the show notes. And thank you so much, Carla, for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Aubrey. Thank you for tuning in to this month's episode of Kendall County Connections podcast. If you are interested in joining the coalition or being on an episode of the podcast, you can call 210-225-4741. That's 210-225-4741. Or email coalition at cicada.org. That's C-O-A-L-I-T-I-O-N at S-A-C-A-D-A dot O-R-G. Or check us out on Facebook, search for Kendall County Community Coalition or facebook.com slash Kendall County Community Coalition. Thank you. We'll see you next time and stay safe.